0: Well, y'all, we are back in Hebrews chapter 11, so you can flip over there with me. We're going to read a longer section here on Abraham because he gets more than one or two verses. He's a prominent figure in the minds of the author's audience. Abraham is the dude, right? In the Jewish mind, Moses is huge, sure, but it began with Abraham, and these people know it all began With Abraham. What the author shows them is it all began by faith. What the author shows them is it began by faith. It began by the faith of Abraham, and that's the kind of faith that he wants for them to have. You know, being a physical descendant of Abraham, outwardly belonging to the covenant people of God, had its perks. But if you want what Abraham was promised... And what Abraham enjoys now in the very presence of God himself, you require faith like Abraham had. All right, so let's read Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 8 through 19. Now hear the words of the one true and living God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we do thank you for your revealed word to us. We thank you uh, that we can trust it, that we can know it is true. And Lord, I pray that now As I stand here and preach, as my service of worship to you this morning, preaching before your people, that you would allow by the power of your spirit for your word to be heard and understood clearly, and Lord, that it would not return void, we trust, we trust in you for that. God, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, there are characteristics of the kind of faith the author of Hebrews wants his audience to have. Uh, And if you've been along for the ride so far as we've been going through chapter 11, uh, there are three that we see feature prominently in the lives of the saints listed here in chapter 11. And here they are again in Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. So we've said faith refuses to follow the world when we keep saying that, it refuses to follow the world, it follows Christ, and even when it doesn't make sense. By faith, it says, verse 9, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. We've said also that faith endures difficulty and hardship, suffering, and even persecution. There's what we see in just two verses here those same characteristics of, of true faith in Christ, that it's not just belief, right? That it's not just belief. It's certainty that is demonstrated by obedience. It's a trust and a hope and a confidence that's willing to lay aside the things of the world for something better. And that's, that's the why. And we can't forget that. God has made promises to his people. There is something better. And we need to be convinced of that. Seeing ourselves each day in whatever we do, that that we are moving in a Godward direction. And that that knowledge is accompanied with a great anticipation, a great expectation of our prize. And there it is in verse 10. It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham obeyed God followed where the Lord took him, left the comforts of familiar company in a familiar land, leaving behind whatever status and reputation he may have had that was there. And why? Because God called him. And Abraham answered. He obeyed God. He had faith in him because he acknowledged God as God and he believed that God's promises were true. They didn't sound like nice ideas. They were enticing enough that he was willing to lay it all on the line, to have faith, to believe, to trust in God. That's what's going on in the book of Hebrews too. That's why Abraham is listed here and commended for his faith because these are first century Christians who were formerly Jews and they're beginning to wonder if it's all worth it. And the author's telling them, it is, Jesus is better. Whatever ideas you have about better pursuits or how to make a a less bumpy path in life for yourself. All of those things, whatever you can dream up, whatever you can conceive of, they all pale in comparison. They're all rubbish compared to following Christ and what he offers you. Jesus is better. His promises are better. Where he's leading you is better than anywhere you might think you want to go. And he has promised it to his people. So look forward to it. That's the message. Keep going. Look forward, as Abraham did, to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham's pursuit of God began with him responding by faith to God's call, and obeying God's call was costly, but it ended in a crown. And those are your three points this morning as we look at the life of Abraham and the example of his faith. We're looking at his call, the cost and the crown and here's the main idea knowing where you're going and who you're with makes the journey worth it I hope that'll be clear to you and encourage you this morning as we go through this knowing where you're going and who you're with makes the journey worth it that's what we need to hear it's what we need to be reminded of like the people that the book of Hebrews is written to and you know we might not have all the details right but we know if we have believed in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and if we have committed ourselves to Him, we are moving in a decidedly favorable direction. And we know that the Lord has promised to be with us even to the end of the age. That has to be enough for us, right? That's got to be enough for us. And it is. It is enough for us. We don't have to trick ourselves into believing that it is enough for us. We can say, can't we, by faith, hey, you know what? This is hard. This is really hard, but it's worth it, and I'm not alone. I'm not alone. However alone you may feel, and whatever it is that that you're brought through in this life, you are not alone. That's good news for worn-out Christians right there. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. All of you need to believe it, to receive that by faith, accept it by faith, as Abraham did. So let's look first now at the call. We're not going to have to do quite as much page turning, tracking Abraham down, as we have with some of these other folks, because these verses in Hebrews, they actually give us a pretty good summary. We, we see Abraham's call in verse 8, uh, that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's coming right out of Genesis 12, okay? That's Genesis 12. God calls Abraham. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed here's the deal. That was enough for Abraham. He went out, not knowing where he was going, like the author of Hebrews says there in verse 8, but here's what he did know, okay? Here's what he did know. A land, a, a heritage, a massive blessing, and the Lord's company. And it was enough for him. Knowing where you're going and who you're with makes the journey worth it. Didn't have all the details, didn't need to. Had enough to know where he was going was worth it and that the Lord was with him all the way. That's what everyone who has believed in the name of the Lord has. Anyone who by faith has answered the call of God upon their life to turn from sin and to pursue the Lord has found good company and will not only endure to the end, but will enjoy immense blessing in this life and the next. And look, if it's not, if it's not looking like it right now, if you're, if, if you're uh, not looking like you're enjoying immense blessing in this life at the moment, if times, uh, matter of fact, are, are pretty hard right now, and you're not feeling so blessed, you're not feeling so safe and so secure, remember who is with you and where he's taking you remember who is with you and where he is taking you. That place is worth it and his company is good. He is leading you there. You know, if we we read through uh, Genesis, we see, you know one of the first places Abraham was called? He hears God's call, says, that sounds good, I'll have that. He goes out. You know one of the first places that ends up, where he ends up? In a country where there's famine. In a land of famine. God says, leave your home, I'll give you a land, and, and nations will come from you. And the first stop along the way is a land with no food. Not off to a good start. That's the kind of thing that should grow our faith that should stretch us, that should grow our faith, but oftentimes it causes us to question it, doesn't it? You start to question, am I I really called after all? That's a good question to ask yourself this morning, but you need to ask it for the right reasons, okay? Everyone here this morning should consider uh, whether you have an interest in the Savior's blood. You should consider that whether you have truly been born again, not by the will of the flesh, but by the Spirit. Am I really called? But if you're asking that question because you're doubting God's promises to you or you're discontent with his providence working out in your life and your current circumstances, that's a heart thing that needs to change. You need to take a look at the cross again and see the length to which God was willing to go to save you. sent his only son into the world to suffer the same things you do now and to die a death that you will never taste because he took the wrath of God due for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. Don't be fooled into examining your circumstances for evidence of God's blessing in your life and favor toward you. Look to the cross. That's where you find it. That's a sneaky little trick of the devil, y'all, to have a blood-bought Christian question their call. To look out at his circumstances, but to ignore the cross. To look at how things are at present and think, God must not really care all that much about me, or he'd be taking better care of me. Or maybe this isn't worth it after all. Brothers and sisters, it was worth the death, the life and death of the only sinless man. Don't forget that. Value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. How much was God willing to pay for your soul? Have assurance of your call, as Abraham did. And it's not as though he didn't have some doubts along the way or that he never made mistakes, right? But what kept him going was his faith. He knew that God had indeed called him, called him to go to some place good and that God would be with him along the way. Let's talk about some of those mistakes for just a minute. Not Abraham's mistakes. Yours. When you stumble and fall, When you know that you've done something that grieves the Lord, whether it's something that you've said, a way in which that you've spoken to your spouse or to your children or to a friend, whether it's something you've said or it's something that you've looked at, if it's someone you've secretly hated in your heart, you've stored up bitterness that they deserve, right, and you're letting that grow and fester, you know that you're betraying your profession. You don't need to be convinced of that. You know you're betraying your profession. You know that what you've thought, what you've done, and what you've said don't match up with what you profess to believe is true about God and yourself. And the devil doesn't miss a trick, does he? He creeps right in and accuses you. You filthy sinner. You haven't changed. You're a fraud. And it won't be long before everyone knows it. You're a sinner. You've always been a sinner you'll never be anything but a sinner and all that guilt all that shame all that worry just washes over you in waves but faith answers back and says i accept that i am a sinner i accept that i am a sinner and i know that i'm accepted by god through christ his son who put you to open shame satan and who has also paid the penalty due for my sin. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Someone with faith doesn't deny that they sin or expect that they never will, right? They say, I know, I know, I have sinned. God have mercy on me, a sinner. And we can know that God has shown us mercy, that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, John says in 1 John you know, he continues there too. He says, if any of us, if any of us says that we are without sin, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. Satan's called the accuser for a reason. Don't believe his lies and question God's call upon your life. Don't allow yourself to get distracted and to get off course. Know where God is leading you and he will Ensure that he takes you there. Where he is taking you is worth it, and he is with you. Be assured of that. You know, we say that, we're like, we can hold on to that at least for five more minutes, can't we? We can stay assured of it, maybe to the end of the service, maybe uh, up until dinner time tonight, maybe even by the time we go to bed tonight, but something's going to happen. Maybe on Wednesday at 3 o'clock, where we're not going to feel so sure anymore, are we? Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, there's a life we have to live between Sundays, but reminding us of the blessing it is to gather as the saints on the Lord's day to be reminded of these things. Amen? We need that. But the other thing I would say, you know, we say, well, how can I be so sure? I don't have that same assurance because, well, God talked directly to Abraham. I can't have the same faith Abraham had. He heard directly from God. Have you not heard directly from God, saints? In his word. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Isn't that, that how this book of Hebrews began? Chapter one, verse one, right? What has the son told us? It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live Whoever believes in me believes in the one who sent me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's certainty. We can be sure of that. We can have faith like Abraham. The obedience comes later. And in stages... The call comes first, and we respond to God's call by faith, as Abraham did. But even Abraham made mistakes after God called him, right? He made mistakes. He didn't make it into the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 because he never sinned after God called him. He's listed there because God called him, and he responded by faith. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me. But he also says following him comes with a cost, doesn't he? Jesus is up front about that. Following him ha- comes with a cost. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. It's Matthew chapter 16. So let's look now at the cost. Abraham's faith came with a cost, right? We examine his life as we, we, we look at that little piece of Genesis where He's popping up and we're hearing about all these things that are happening, these adventures that happen all around him. Abraham's faith came with a cost. There was war. There was danger. Nearly lost his wife. Nearly lost his son. By Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham in Egypt with his wife Sarah surrounded by danger. And how do we know he was surrounded by danger? Well, because, it says, Abraham was afraid they were going to come kill him. Take his wife. So he tells her to tell anyone who asks that she's a sister. Not his finest moment. Not his best day, right? I think we can agree we can, that, would all make, that would make the list of uh, those things that, that Abraham did that uh, were mistakes. Maybe leaning on his own understanding a little bit, not trusting God completely, even though he did believe So he lives, that's what happens, You know, spoiler alert, he lives, but they they do, they take Sarah away, they take her to be with Pharaoh, and thankfully the Lord is faithful, and he is sovereign, and he afflicts Pharaoh in his house, so that they're like, get her out of here, send her back, get out of here. There's a lesson there, I think, about God's presence, this idea that the one who is with us, is with us on this journey, about not only knowing where you're going, but who you're with. God was with Abraham. It was evident. He was with Abraham. God intervened. He was there. He was in control. He never lost control. He wasn't asleep at the wheel. He wasn't powerless to do anything with the predicament Abraham had gotten himself into. He was with Abraham. He was with Abraham when he defeated the kings who captured Lot. It's another one of those things that we see there. He was there with him when he and his wife were getting impatient, waiting on the baby that God had promised them. And that's actually another example, isn't it? Right? Those of you that remember, of them uh, not trusting in the Lord with all their heart, uh, but leaning on their own understanding. They kind of take matters into their own hands, don't they? Sarah gives Abraham her, her maidservant uh, so that he can have the child. And they're like, well, that must have been what God meant. God says, no. I said I would, I told you I would give you a son. I would give you a son. I open and close the womb. Is anything too difficult for me? And God did. Gave them that son. And in the meantime, God was with them and reassured them. I meant what I said. And I will do it. Have faith. Have faith. And then sure enough, that son comes. Right? Isaac comes onto the scene, and you imagine the joy and the blessing of experiencing the, the, the tangible promise of God. But then, as we know, God tells Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac in Genesis 22. And we get the summary here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now, in the moment, Abraham believes his faith is going to cost him his only son. But he also believes God is who he says he is, and he believes that he keeps his word. And God's made him promises that include this son who is now being, he's being asked to offer as a sacrifice to God. He can't imagine how this is all going to work out, right? He's doing the math. He's doing the math, and it doesn't seem to really add up. But he knows two things to be true, okay? Here it is. God promised to do great things for me and through having the Son, and now God has asked me to surrender him to him. If I'm believing the first thing is true, I have to obey the second thing, even though it doesn't appear to make sense. That's what faith does. It follows Christ, even when it doesn't appear to make sense. Otherwise, we wouldn't call it faith. We'd call it sight. We'd call it anything but faith. But faith, as we've read, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We saw that in verse 1 of the same chapter. All right, now verse 19 says, Abraham considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead. Okay, so Abraham knew God had plans for Isaac, and if that plan included him dying before he accomplished what he said he would, well, I guess he'll just have to bring him back to life. That was the faith Abraham had. Abraham believed God could do it and would do it. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. That's why after receiving that command from God, he doesn't seem to hesitate. Gets up early the next morning, saddles up and heads on out. And he tells his two servants who are with him, we'll be back. We, I and the boy will go over there and worship and return again to you. True faith, y'all, believes God can do the impossible. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. God was asking him to do something that appeared to nullify his promise to him, but Abraham knew God wouldn't break his promise, and he was just going to have to trust him. There's a great quote by John Owen that I wanted to share with you and made a note of here. Because I think it's really important, something we got to remember. Not the quote, but the quote helps us remember a thing that we need to remember. Okay? So here it is. He says, sometimes through God's providence there may appear to be an inconsistency between God's commands and his promises. Nothing but faith bowing the soul to divine sovereignty can reconcile this bowing the soul to divine sovereignty. That's what Abraham did. And we know how the story ends, don't we? Instead of God taking the son that he promised Abraham, his only son, God provides the sacrifice that he required. God required it, and he provided what he required. And we know that on this side of the cross, he has sent his only son, his only son, into the world as the sacrifice that he required to redeem us and moving on from that point now on the cost just consider that faith never asks will it be easy it asks will it be worth it will it be worth it and the answer is yes and we have to believe it because god is faithful he never lies he is good and he means good for us He means good for us. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, Paul tells us in Romans 8. And we need that, right? We need to be reminded of that, that he works all things together. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like he is. But praise God, he has given us word that says, through all those circumstances, he is working all things together for the good of those who believe. All right, now let's look at this point, the crown We saw Abraham's call, the cost, now the crown. We said in the beginning, we've said again repeatedly, knowing where you're going and who you're with makes the journey worth it. The journey ends eventually, doesn't it? The the journey ends somewhere, doesn't it? It's how journeys work. Go from one place to the next. There's a destination. Walking with God is not wandering. It may feel that way sometimes. But only if you've taken your eye off of the prize. The prize, friends, I want to suggest to you is something that many Christians get shy thinking about for some reason. Like it's like it's not holy to want reward. I, th- I think I've said in a, in a previous sermon somewhere, we're not Buddhists. You know, we're, we're not supposed to be devoid of desire. We're wired for desire. Now, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, just so there's no confusion here. Our desires have been corrupted by sin. Our hearts want wrong things, and our hearts often deceive us, and we want right things for wrong reasons. We're all mixed up like that. But God has put eternity into men's hearts, and we should want it. We're to want what God has promised us, life eternal with him and all of the blessings he delights in showering upon his children. I remember when Noah, not, not Bible Noah, our Noah, our oldest, I remember when he was little, he, he was all about Mickey Mouse. He loved Mickey Mouse. And Amanda and I plotted, and we, uh, we got him a stuffed Mickey Mouse And it came, and she called me or texted me and told me that it had arrived. And I said, wait, don't give it to him. Wait till I get home. Like, I got to see the look on his face. It's going to blow his mind. We were so excited about giving him the Smoky mask. I pull it out from behind my back. We give it to him. And y'all, he could not have been more utterly unimpressed. Entirely unaffected. was just like, "Eh." and went about his day. That is not the way we should view the gifts that God presents to his children. They should excite us. He has promised reward to his people. And there's something about looking forward to that that helps us to press on. When we're feeling the cost, when it starts to feel like it's too much for us, There's something about that that helps us to press on, to keep the faith, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it comes at great cost to us. We know something wonderful awaits us. There's a crown waiting for you, and you should want it. That's the idea. And waving that off, okay, waving that off in such a way that's like, well, like, I'm not here for that, is not, that does not make you more holy, In fact, I would say that losing sight of that reward that awaits the faithful actually makes the journey harder. Abraham's journey was hard and full of of uncertainty, but you know what kept him going? He was certain about one thing. He knew it would be worth it because God said it would. He knew what God had promised and he said, I want it. I want it. Consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, as you consider this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. So I do not run aimlessly, he says there. And something Paul notes there is that crown that awaits us, right? Runners run to win a wreath. And what he means there, right, in that time, like uh, if you stepped up on the podium for winning a race, they'd give you like a a wreath of of leaves and flowers for for your head, like a medal that you would have won. But the race we're running, the journey we're on, has an imperishable crown. One that never withers and never fades. An eternal reward of life with God and reward from God. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter chapter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Paul tells Timothy, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And then John, in the book of Revelation, warns the church in Smyrna that stuff's about to go down. Bad things are fixing to happen. There's going to be trial and tribulation you're about to go go through. The called are about to feel the cost. But speaking the very words of God, given to him by the Holy Spirit, he reminds them of the crown. He says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. God motivates his people with reward. It's part of the way, part of how we keep the faith. A faith that's willing to say no to the enticements of the world, that refuses to follow the world, that's willing to follow Christ even when it doesn't make sense, that's willing to endure hardship and pain and conflict and suffering and persecution. Abraham knew it, and he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. But I want to remind you of this morning, saints... There is something better waiting for us, and looking forward to it keeps us going. Help us endure as we're instructed to. That's what we need to ask. That's what struck me as I was working through this, as I was praying for myself and for my family and for all of you. Help us to endure as we're instructed to. Increase our faith. Help our unbelief. Help us to believe that the things that you've told us are worth it are. Help us to recognize the value in them. Help us to believe and to know your presence in such a way that it keeps us moving forward. What we need is to be made more into conformity with the image of Christ. Isn't that our desire? To be more like Jesus. Right? It's he's how that all that inheritance come to, comes to us in the first place, right? It's by his righteousness, not ours. The founder and perfecter of our faith, as we heard from Hebrews 12 and the assurance of pardon earlier. Well, you may have heard it. I know Robert's mic wasn't on but he's the founder and perfecter of our faith, the one that has already blazed that trail heavenward for us so that we may follow in his footsteps by faith in him. Knowing where you're going makes the journey worth it. Knowing God is with you all along the way makes the journey worth it. Now, a final word here, and I'll close. Those who walk with God are not wandering through life said something like that a moment ago. I'm bringing that back around again. It's important to recognize. Those who are walking with God are not wandering through life. We're living on purpose. We're not accidents just moving through time and space with no expectation of ever arriving anywhere in particular. We're moving in a decided direction on this journey. We know who is with us on this journey, and we know where it ends, and we know it is good. We Like our brothers and sisters in the book of Hebrews, that that the book of Hebrews is written to, we need to be encouraged by that, to believe it, that what God has promised, Christ has accomplished. Have faith in Him, keep faith in Him. It will be worth it. Let's pray. Lord God, We thank you for your promises to us as your children. And I pray, Lord, that we would lay a hold of them by faith. And Lord, that we would be persuaded to pursue you, whatever the cost. Because we know where we are going, and we know that you are with us and will never leave us. God, I pray that you would make us more aware of that. Make us more aware of that this week, Father. In the lives of your people, help us to have a greater awareness of your presence with us. May that be a comfort to us and encourage us that we're not alone. You have promised to be with us and you have given us one another here in in this church as a family, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your word this morning. We pray that everywhere it has gone out and will go out this Lord's day, that light would cast out darkness, that truth would trump lies. That souls would be one, lives transformed, and that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen.